please repeat after me. Reflecting carefully, I use this food. Not for pleasure. Not for indulgence. But only for maintaining this body. So that it endures. For keeping it unharmed. For supporting life. So that former feelings of hunger are destroyed. And new feelings from overeating do not arise. Then there will be for me a lack of bodily obstacles. And living comfortably. Please have a nice lunch. I'd like to do another guided contemplation with you. And this one is called The Five Daily Recollections. And as the name implies, the Buddha recommended that every single person recollect these five things every day. Now, they are laws of nature to which we are subject. We are not capable of escaping them. But most people in the world, not everyone, but most people in the world, prefer to forget about these things. They don't want to know about it because it appears as if they were unhappiness producing. The reason they appear to be unhappiness producing and the reason they are doing that is because we are not in tune with the laws of nature. We don't like them which is utter foolishness, as we can have seen in many areas of the world by our devastated forests and our polluted streams. To not like the laws of nature is one of the great absurdities to which people are becoming aware on a material level, forests and streams. However, we go much further than that. We also don't like the laws of nature which concern us, ourselves. We don't really want to know about it. We'd like to be young and beautiful forever. Nobody's ever managed it, but we don't think about such things. We spend millions of dollars every year, probably hundreds of millions of dollars by now, on trying to counteract the laws of nature in the physical sense as far as we're concerned. To recollect these five are not designed to produce any unhappiness. They are strictly designed to make us aware what life is all about and eventually stop resisting and rejecting these laws of nature and flow with them. The minute we start flowing with them, 
we no longer think they are a tragedy. They are just part of the natural course of events in which we are embedded. I will talk about these also again at another time, but this is only the introduction to why the Buddha wants us to recollect this every single day. He knows and knew that our memories are rather faulty. So we need to remember important things every single day. I will say the sentence, which is again a universal one, needs to be applied to oneself, and after you have repeated it after me, I will say something about it to help with the contemplation. Mind you, if you have better ideas on the subject, how to contemplate it, please use your own ideas. These are nothing but suggestions. The guidelines are from the Buddha. The suggestions are how to use the guidelines. <coughs> In order to start, please put the attention on the breath. And now please repeat after me. I am of the nature to decay. I have not got beyond decay. Now the first thing that's necessary is to find out whether this is a true statement and whether it can be found within oneself at this point in time, whether we can actually notice the decay. And in this respect, we can use the physical, the body. And then, having ascertained that this is true, are we actually paying attention to that decay, or would we prefer that it wasn't happening, or do we pretend it isn't happening? How is our own personal reaction to this matter of personal decay?
I'm of the nature to be disease. I have not got beyond disease. The word disease also means unease, and it refers to body and mind. It doesn't have to be a great illness. It's just the unease in body and in mind. And again, we need to inquire, is this a true statement? And then, what's our reaction to it? Do we think it's due to outside sources? Do we think that outside sources can take it away? Or do we understand that it is a built-in attribute of body and mind? Can we actually let go of our rejection of that? Letting go of the rejection does not mean letting go of the cure, but the rejection makes the cure impossible. I'm of the nature to die. I have not got beyond death. Now here we obviously do not need to inquire whether this is true or not. But what we do need to introspect is whether we're keeping this true statement in mind every day realizing the necessity for urgency in practice and making sure that we know our priorities and are we actually willing and ready for this transforming aspect of life and if not, why not?
all that is mine, dear and delightful, will change and vanish. Now here we do need to inquire whether this has been true in the past, that that what we have called mine and found delightful has a change or disappeared, such as people, situations, experiences, feelings, looks, possessions, have they changed or vanished? And if they have, what about that which we call mine? and find delightful now? Is it prone to change and vanish? And how do we feel about that? I am the owner of my karma. Now, when we contemplate that, it means that we take full responsibility for whatever is happening to us in all aspects, physical, mental, emotional on a worldly level, on a spiritual level. And we have to have a look to see do we really take full responsibility or do we yet think there is something outside of us that has caused it? Or do we really know that we own the effects that which we have put into motion as causes?
I am related to my karma. Here we need to find out that our relationship to the effect that we have put into motion is as close to us as our own skin. In fact, we could say, I am my karma. What we are now is what we have made ourselves to be. Can we see that? Can we recognize that? I live supported by my karma. We can take a look at our lives and recognize the fact that the karmic resultants are our support system. Whether we can see the connection or not doesn't matter. In some instances, we may be able to see the connection. If we have been diligent and persevering, we may see that that has brought results. We may actually understand some of the cause and effect. It's useful to see that. Whatever karma I shall do, that I shall inherit. Now that brings us to this moment in our lives. If we want to have a valuable inheritance, we have to fashion it ourselves. 
and it can give rise to the determination to make good karma, to have a good inheritance. It's from this moment and every other moment thereafter that we're making karma. Through our intentions, which are in the mind, do we want to have a valuable inheritance which is supportive In order to start, please put the attention on the breath for just a few moments. Imagine that you have a beautiful white lotus flower growing in your heart which opens all its petals until it's fully open and a golden stream of light comes out of the center of that beautiful flower and it fills you with warmth joy and love and it surrounds you with peacefulness And now let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to the person sitting nearest you in this hall and fill him or her with the warmth from your heart, with joyfulness and love. As a gift from you, And now let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to everyone here. 
filling everyone with warmth and joy and love as your gift to everyone. Now think of your parents. Let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to their hearts, filling them with your gratitude and your love, surrounding them with joy as your gift to them. Now think of your nearest and dearest people, those that you might live with. Let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart fill their hearts with your love, your care, and the warmth from your heart without expecting the same in return. Think of your good friends. Let them arise before your mind's eye and let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to their hearts. Fill them with the warmth from your heart, your love, your friendship, 
embrace them. Without expecting to have the same in return. Think of the people you meet in your everyday life, neighbors at home, acquaintances, people at work, on the street, in the shops, anyone you can think of. Let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to the hearts of all these people. giving them the best gifts you have, the warmth and love from your heart. Think of anyone whom you find difficult to love or failing such a person, anyone towards whom you're quite indifferent. And let the golden stream of light from the center of your heart reach out to that person with love and warmth and peace. so that there's no blockage in your own heart.
Now open your heart as wide as possible and let the golden stream of light flow out of it to people near and far bringing warmth and love and joy first to all the people around here in this area and then further afield let it flow like a golden stream that goes over its banks people in Sydney and further other cities towns and villages on the land going to those people whom you know where they are or those that you assume letting the love flow from your heart bringing joy to as many hearts as possible Now put your attention back on yourself and feel the warmth and the joy that comes from giving and loving and let the golden stream of light fill you from head to toe with well-being, peacefulness and love. let the golden stream of light go back inside the lotus flower which closes all its petals and then anchor this beautiful flower in your heart so that it may become one with it. May people everywhere have love in their hearts. We're going to do walking meditation now. Because it's very wet outside, we'll do it in here. And we'll do it together, going in a circle around the shrine, back up and around the back where there are no cushions 
coming down, we'll use the middle path, the one in the middle here, going around and back up the next one so that we don't try to go in the same path down and up. So please, those of you who have things lying there in that next path, would you please put them behind your cushions so that we can walk there. In the walking meditation, we don't pay any attention to the breath. The attention is strictly put on the movement of the foot. The eyes stay open, down to the ground. They automatically go in front of the foot. If they go on top of the foot, it's distracting because it's moving but they automatically go in front of the foot. The hands are clasped in front or back so that they don't dangle, which is also distracting. When we walk together, you have to pay attention to the speed of the people in front of you. Because if you go do it your own thing, so slow, that nobody else can move, the whole thing breaks down. So you have to pay attention to the speed of the person in front of you. You do it yourself outside, any speed will do. However, walking meditation is only meditation if something moves. Otherwise, you've got nothing to put your attention on and the mind starts thinking. When we watch the breath, the breath is moving. Therefore, we have a meditation subject. When we do walking meditation, the feet are moving and therefore we have a subject. If there's nothing moving, we have to use a different subject. There are other things moving in us, but if it's walking meditation, it's got to be walking. I'm putting such emphasis on this because I have oftentimes encountered the fact that nobody moves, and then we have no meditation subject. We'll do it in a threefold motion here in the hall. We have two options. For, we have many options, but I'll only explain two options for the walking meditation. Either three-fold movement or six-fold movement. Now here in the hall it's better to do the three-fold movement, otherwise it gets too slow. Which means raising, carrying, putting down. The second foot only comes up when the first one is completely down. And at that time, you will also notice the shift of weight. The weight of the body goes to the other foot. So you can notice that quite um, obviously. But the movement is raising, carrying, putting down. So when we do it on our own outside, I will mention also the six-fold movement at that time.
because otherwise get forgotten meanwhile. Eyes open and looking down, hands together in front or back, watching the speed of the person in front. Or get up and wherever you are, you try to come down this way. I'll start here. going to do a contemplation together and I'll explain to you now the difference between contemplation and meditation as we use the words. It's important to know that difference because it is the difference between calm and insight. And if one doesn't know which one is doing, one doesn't understand one's own experiences. So, the meditation that we're doing, we're primarily, at this point, trying to focus on one meditation subject and have the mind stop thinking, chattering, making up commentary explaining and justifying, disliking and planning, of trying to stop the mind from doing that and by doing that we will eventually have an opportunity to have a crystal clear mind because it stops throwing up all the things that cover over the inner purity and clarity. So it is essentially at this point trying to become calm through either watching the breath or watching the movement of the feet. We will use other methods as we go along but this is in the first place what we're doing because as I explained to you last night already only the calm mind is able to see into depth a mind which is churning with thinking and churning with liking and disliking is covered with that with thinking, liking, and disliking. So that's meditation. And in the loving-kindness meditation, what we're trying to do there is to arouse a feeling, which again can become so one-pointed that not only can we direct it to where we would like it to be, but it can also make the mind very calm and can be an entry into tranquility. So it is concerned with the one-pointedness of feeling the loving-kindness meditation. Now we're going to do this together every evening, but we have done one last night, so at least those of you 
who haven't been with me before know what I'm talking about. I like to mention at this point, if you didn't feel a thing, don't worry. Do it anyway. Where the thoughts go, the feelings eventually follow. If you did feel something, that's good. If you don't, it doesn't matter. Do it. And if you didn't feel anything, do it during the day by yourself in any manner or form in order to get more used to it. Now we're going to do a loving-kindness contemplation right now. And it differs from the loving-kindness meditation in so far that we're going to use a sentence. I will say the sentence and ask you to repeat it after me. This sentence has, needs to have, in order to be a valid contemplation, universal truth. If it doesn't, it's not a valid contemplation. If it is a personal problem, that's not a contemplation, that's a personal problem. However, having the universal truth as its base, we have to be able to apply to ourselves. So in this instance, in this contemplation, we will say it about ourselves. But I want you to remember that a valid contemplation has to be universally true. And you can check that out and see whether this would apply to everyone. And then, when you see that it applies to you, you think about it in a way which is not discursive. Now, obviously, we have different qualities in the mind. We can have discursive thinking, which is, I'm sure, known to everyone here, instead of being on the breath. That's discursive thinking. It's as simple as that. The kind of thinking we do during the day in our ordinary lives is mostly discursive. Sometimes it's pointed towards survival or making a living, trying to remember something for a particular reason. But this kind of thinking that we do in contemplation is entirely different. The way to do that is to look at oneself, how one usually reacts, how one usually feels, how one often reacts, how one often feels, and take that as one's base to recognize whether one needs to change that. And if so, how to do it. That's not discursiveness. That's introspection. And introspection can, it doesn't have to, but it can, intuitively bring up something brand new. Brand new about oneself. It's not brand new in the universe. It's universally true, but it's brand new for oneself about oneself. So this is introspection. 
contemplation is always introspection but we need the mind for that otherwise how we're going to introspect inspect the interior that's introspection so as we inspect our interior our inner life we can have a look and see what's going on in there how it works for us and whether we need to make any changes and if so how do we do it this kind of looking at oneself if it is done without any blame and done without any feeling of superiority or inferiority can give some very valuable pointers how to live more peacefully in order to start please put the attention on the breath for just a few moments And now please repeat after me. May I be free from enmity. Enmity means nothing other than being an enemy of people, of another person. And the introspection which can be done would be to investigate. Do I ever feel like that? And if so, whom do I make unhappy with that? And if it's me, myself, how do I change it? Can I see the causes that arise? Can I see the effects?
May I be free from hurtfulness. Again here we have to have a look whether we ever hurt anyone or even anything out of carelessness or out of dislike physically, mentally or emotionally out of feeling threatened, defensiveness any causes that we can find and how do we feel ourselves if we do that? Is it necessary to make any change? And if so, how can I go about it? May I be free from troubles of mind and body. That means loving oneself. Do I have any troubles in mind or body? And how can I let go? Is some of that self-inflicted? How can I love myself better? Loving oneself does not mean indulging. It means wise care.
May I be able to protect my own happiness? For that it's essential that the first inquiry is what is my happiness? And that inquiry is a very important one and needs to be done with discernment not accept the first answer that comes but investigate what is my own happiness and then how do I protect it May all beings be free from enmity. Now here at this point we wish the same that we're wishing for ourselves also for others. And if we have found a way to free ourselves from the feelings of negativity of dislike, we could share that with others. If not, we'll just wish it for them out of our love for the well-being of other people.
may all beings be free from hurtfulness. Again, we wish this for others, but we mustn't fall into the error of only hoping that others will do it. It always starts with us ourselves. So whatever we have found out about it, we can share. May all beings be free from troubles of mind and body. Again, it's our love for others that prompts us to feel these, these uh, sentiments and think these thoughts. When we think of no troubles for others, we also need to think not to make any trouble for others. And also by the same token, how we can help. May all beings be able to protect their own happiness. Again, we need to consider that we do not become any kind of obstacle for the happiness of others. Also, we can consider how we can contribute to their happiness. And we can share anything that we have learned about our own happiness.
Please repeat after me. Reflecting carefully, I use this food. Not for pleasure. Not for indulgence. But only for maintaining this body. So that it endures. For keeping it unharmed, for supporting life, so that former feelings of hunger are destroyed, and new feelings from overeating do not arise, then there will be for me a lack of bodily obstacles. And living, and living comfortably. Please have a nice lunch. I like to do another a guided contemplation with you and this one is called the five daily recollections and as the name implies the Buddha recommended that every single person recollect these five things every day now they are laws of nature to which we are subject we are not capable of escaping them but most people in the world not everyone but most people in the world prefer to forget about these things they don't want to know about it because it appears as if they were unhappiness producing the reason they appear to be unhappiness producing and the reason they are doing that it's because we are not in tune with the laws of nature. We don't like them. Which is utter foolishness, as we can have seen in many areas of the world by our devastated forests and our polluted streams. To not like the laws of nature is one of the great absurdities to which people are becoming aware on a material level, forests and streams. However, we go much further than that. We also don't like the law of laws of nature which concern us, ourselves. We don't really want to know about it. We'd like to be young and beautiful forever. Nobody's ever managed it, but we don't think about such things. We spend millions of dollars every year, probably hundreds of millions of dollars by now on trying to counteract the laws of nature in the physical sense as far as we're concerned. To recollect these five are not designed 
to produce any unhappiness they are strictly designed to make us aware what life is all about and eventually stop resisting and rejecting these laws of nature and flow with them the minute we start flowing with them we no longer think they are a tragedy they are just part of the natural course of events in which we are embedded I will talk about these also again at another time but this is only the introduction to why the Buddha wants us to recollect this every single day he knows and knew that our memories are rather faulty so we need to remember important things every single day I will say the sentence which is again a universal one needs to be applied to oneself and after you have repeated it after me I will say something about it to help with the contemplation mind you if you have better ideas on the subject how to contemplate it please use your own ideas these are nothing but suggestions the guidelines are from the Buddha the suggestions are how to use the guidelines in order to start please put the attention on the breath And now please repeat after me. I am of the nature to decay. I have not got beyond decay. Now the first thing that's necessary is to find out whether this is a true statement and whether it can be found within oneself at this point in time whether we can actually notice the decay and in this respect we can use the physical the body and then having ascertained that this is true are we actually paying attention to that decay or would we prefer that it wasn't happening or do we pretend it isn't happening how is our own personal reaction to this matter of personal decay
I'm of the nature to be diseased. I have not got beyond disease. The word disease also means unease, and it refers to body and mind. It doesn't have to be a great illness. It's just the unease in body and in mind. And again, we need to inquire, is this a true statement? And then, what's our reaction to it? Do we think it's due to outside sources? Do we think that outside sources can take it away? Or do we understand that it is a built-in attribute of body and mind? Can we actually let go of our rejection of that? Letting go of the rejection does not mean letting go of the cure, but the rejection makes the cure impossible. I'm of the nature to die. I have not got beyond death. Now here we obviously do not need to inquire whether this is true or not. But what we do need to introspect is whether we're keeping this true statement in mind every day realizing the necessity for urgency in practice and making sure that we know our priorities and are we actually willing and ready for this transforming aspect of life and if not, why not?
all that is mine, dear and delightful, will change and vanish. Now here we do need to inquire whether this has been true in the past, that that what we have called mine and found delightful has a change or disappeared, such as people, situation, experiences, feelings, looks, possessions, Have they changed or vanished? And if they have, what about that which we call mine and find delightful now? Is it prone to change and vanish? And how do we feel about that? I am the owner of my karma. Now, when we contemplate that, it means that we take full responsibility for whatever is happening to us in all aspects, physical, mental, emotional on a worldly level, on a spiritual level. And we have to have a look to see do we really take full responsibility or do we yet think there is something outside of us that has caused it? Or do we really know that we own the effects that which we have put into motion as causes?